At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Welcome to the Hornets Hivecast, the official podcast of your Charlotte Hornets. Here's your host, Sam Farber. Welcome to another edition of the Hornets Hivecast, your daily podcast with all the notes, quotes, and daily buzz around your favorite NBA team, the Charlotte Hornets. I'm Sam Farber, and it is a pleasure and a privilege to have you with us here today. It is a game day edition of the HHC Hornets beginning their six-game road trip out west starts tonight against the Utah Jazz. Should be a fun one. Utah, quite honestly, they're the best team in the NBA. They showed it earlier this year in the Queen City, beating your Hornets 138-121 to in a very impressive display of three-point shooting and overall offense. Hornets are hoping for better outcomes tonight and hoping for a better performance than they had in their last game against the Golden State Warriors, although outcome-wise, that one is exactly how the Hornets would like them all to go. 102-100, to a buzzer-beater win. We're going to discuss that game a little bit more, what it means as the Hornets head in to this road trip. We also will continue our series of conversations with community leaders here in the Queen City as a part of the Hornets' celebration of Black History Month. The organization's activations presented by Blue Cross and Blue Shield of North Carolina, highlighting individuals who are having an impact on our community here in Buzz City. And today, as a part of that, Allison Watkins, Program Manager for Early Career Talent at Blue Cross of North Carolina, will join us. And then also, we will, of course, break down tonight's contest. To help me do all this, it's our producer on the Hornets Radio Network, back again on the Hornets Hivecast, Rob Longo. Rob, how are you? I'm still buzzing, pun intended, after Saturday's big win. What a game. Pun accepted. That was quite the game. 102-100 to final score. Hornets defeat the Golden State Warriors. Did not play extremely pretty basketball throughout. They committed a season-high 24 turnovers. It was outright ugly at times. But Charlotte stuck with it and was able to generate enough offense in the end to give themselves a chance. And also, they were able to take advantage of the Warriors having a bit of a meltdown. I think... 
there were certainly some controversial plays throughout the game where the Hornets felt they weren't getting the benefit of a call. They might have shrugged about it. They might have talked under their breath. They might have even complained about it, but they didn't completely have a meltdown. Draymond Green, when he didn't get a call at the end of the game on a jump ball where the Hornets were credited with a timeout, and I think there was evidence there in the replay to show that the correct call was made. I'm not saying Draymond Green didn't have an argument, but he was not compelling, overwhelming evidence by any stretch of the imagination, no matter how biased you want to be looking at it from his point of view. And he just lost it. And the two technicals, the first one's bad enough because you've given the Hornets a chance to win. The two is almost unforgivable considering the scenario because you have given the Hornets the tie game. You've put Terry Rozier, who hasn't missed a free throw in two weeks, on the line to tie the game and then given them the ball. I don't know how you can make that kind of air. You can't. And I'm sure Steve Kerr is, might still be ripping his hair out here Monday morning, but it's one of those things where we've seen a pattern from Draymond. We talked about it on Saturday's podcast with Matt Carroll about how he didn't single-handedly cost the Warriors the NBA Finals a couple years ago against the Cavaliers, but part of the reason why Cleveland was able to come back from a 3-1 deficit was because he wasn't able to play because of too many technicals. So it's a pattern from Draymond, but give credit to Charlotte. The Hornets were getting trash talk pretty good that whole game. I mean, you had Kelly Oubre Jr. blowing kisses to the bench after he would hit a three. Confident player playing well. He's been on a real hot streak his last three games, and I like the passion he plays yeah. with. He, he is a great player, and... Even if some of his energy and emotion will cost the Warriors, let's say, two games a year. That could add it's up. more like one. Could add up. His energy and emotion also probably wins them six or seven games a year. He's got that kind of a swing to him. And if I'm a member of that staff, I want him playing that way. It's just in that moment, it's not even one tangle. It's that he got two is that he didn't realize, okay, I've lost this battle here and I might be losing my team the game. Because that shot that Terry Rozier was a ridiculous shot. It was, yes. it was a contested fall-away to buzzer beater. It was a clean look, but that was not an easy shot. If I'm the Warriors and it's a make-miss league and he makes that shot, even after one technical, I feel bad about it, but I don't think we gave away the game. But seeing what the final score was and knowing you gave two, that's a big deal. It's a big deal. Yeah. Let's, let's go back to the moment itself. Hornets winning 102 to 100. Because this is a, a signature moment, perhaps. Certainly for Terry Rozier, it is. Maybe for you know his last minute All Star candidacy, this will certainly help. But in terms of getting the Hornets closer to their stated goal of making the postseason, this game might end up being the reason they make it. Here was that final sequence. Who's the lucky person here? Gordon Hayward will inbound, gives to Rozier. 34 points today. He'll hold for the final shot. Clock down to four seconds. Rozier crosses over to his left. Around his screen. Fade away three at the buzzer. Got it! Got it! Terry Rozier beats the buzzer. And the Hornets have won on a walk-off three by Terry Rozier. Oh, you got to be kidding me. Terry Rozier coming through in the clutch, and we said it yesterday on the podcast. By the way, if you've listened to yesterday's too, this is not a total replay of yesterday's podcast, <laughs> but it's worth repeating. This was not a pretty game for the Hornets. Being able to suck a win out of it is huge. I think just momentum-wise going into this trip, like you got to win a game or two that you were not supposed to. And this is one 
24 turn you're not supposed to win games at any level of basketball if you commit 24 turnovers it just you're not well you're also playing a team in Steph Curry that's he's been playing out of his mind the past couple of games as well kind of throwing his hat in the MVP race ring a little bit in a sense but he goes down and the game goes from somewhat winnable to very winnable when you take out a guy like Steph Curry because the three-pointing shooting on Saturday was not there for Golden State, especially early on. Golden State finished the first quarter 2 of 10 from beyond the arc, finishing the game 13 of 39. So you're hitting a 30 year threes. Not fantastic, but it's not terrible by any stretch. But when you have Charlotte on the other side hitting 50% from three, it's able to kind of counterbalance those 25 turnovers that we saw where Golden State got 32 points off those 25 turnovers. But yeah, this is a game that you think going in that you have a shot, but then you know Curry goes down, and then all of a sudden this is a very winnable game. And then the way that you turn the ball over, okay, maybe it's not winnable. But then you come back, and Draymond, I don't want to say hands you the game, but he gives you the opportunity to win the game. And now you get this one going into a six-game road trip against a really tough Western Conference slate. It's most definitely a tough slate ahead for the Hornets. Six games on the road. The combined record for those teams, including Minnesota, is somewhere around 15 over 500. And Minnesota has the worst record in the NBA right now. 16 games below 500 all on their own. So when you take them out of the equation, somewhere around the neighborhood of 30 games over 500, all of them on the road. But the Hornets have shown an ability. They don't seem to care who they play. They don't seem to care where they play the games. Everything is much more about them and less about the opponent and the location. And that's to their benefit. They're not going to be intimidated going into anyone's house. Now, that said, there's no question Utah is the favorite tonight. There's no question that the Phoenix Suns and the Portland Trailblazers are playing much better basketball right now than not just the Hornets, but anyone in the NBA. Those three teams that are on the slate over the next two weeks have won something like 90-85% of their games over the last two weeks. They're some of the deepest rosters in the game with some of the biggest stars. And the Hornets did not play well last game, looked very rusty coming off a five-day layoff. This is not to make excuses. This is just kind of to set the expectation level. But all that said, the Hornets don't go into any game thinking they can't win it. Quite frankly, some games where it seems like they're supposed to win it, they just don't seem to have their A game some night. So I don't think the opposition really matters to this team. It's how are they going to be able to play, and can they find a way to get stops against a Utah team tonight that they were unable to get them the last time these two met. We'll talk about that more in just a moment. We'll get into that. Sam Farber, Rob Longo here with you on the Hornets Hivecast. Hornets fans, the buzz is building. For season ticket packages for the 2021-2022 season, call 704-HORNETS or visit hornets.com to chat live with a season ticket representative. Lock in your price today. As part of the Hornets celebration of Black History Month and the organization's activations presented by Blue Cross and Blue Shield of North Carolina, we are highlighting individuals who are having an impact on our community here in Buzz City. Today we shine that spotlight on Allison Watkins, Program Manager for Early Career Talent at Blue Cross of North Carolina. Allison, thank you so much for joining us here on the Hornets Hivecast. Absolutely. I'm very excited to be here. Thanks for having me. 
This is the third year Blue Cross North Carolina has collaborated with the Hornets on Black History Month activations. Can you share some of the highlights of how Blue Cross North Carolina has specifically supported historically black colleges and universities across the state and as a health insurer, why these partnerships are important for your organization and for the community at large? Absolutely. The first thing I would say is that our commitment to building a healthier North Carolina goes far beyond health insurance. So really as a company, we're thinking more broadly about what it means to improve the health and well-being of North Carolinians. And so that focus really has been around strengthening our diverse communities and also that includes supporting our HBCUs. I've been an employee at Blue Cross for over 13 years and really excited to share that since 2008, we've invested more than $6 million in HBCUs across the state. And it's really to help remove financial barriers for students, contribute to a diverse workforce and equitable opportunities, and certainly to increase Black representation in the healthcare-related fields. So we're excited to continue partnerships with HBCUs, specifically through recruitment of some of our early career programs. That's amazing work you're doing, not only to get students into the college setting, but also getting them out of it and into the workplace. What are some best practices that have been successful for you hiring diverse talent and creating opportunities for students, particularly those coming from HBCUs? Yeah, this is really exciting work, um, especially within the early career talent space. And there's two um, success practices, I would say, that I'd love to share. And the first one really begins around when we're starting to think about recruitment. How are we proactively thinking about the strategy that involves HBCU schools across North Carolina and really engaging with their students? So we have a great history of partnering with a vast amount of schools across the state and making sure that our HBCUs have been a big part of that recruitment strategy. I'll tell you, we have such great employees and alumni that want to be campus ambassadors and um, lots of HBCU alum at Blue Cross that really want to be involved in promoting our opportunities and sharing those with their networks so that students know what we have available and really what they could do potentially with a career at Blue Cross. And then the second thing I'll highlight is that we have specifically an HBCU action team that is really focused on student recruitment. There's a group that is um, represented across the enterprise, so not just HR, but lots of other areas within the business. And the initiatives that we work on are year round. So they're not just focused on recruitment activities, but we really do think about how do we engage with students from a professional development standpoint with resume reviews or supporting them before they're attending career fairs and really just educating them on what we do here at Blue Cross and what a potential career path might look like. So lots of great involvement, especially around our employees that really want to give back to the students and ultimately see them have a career here at Blue Cross. So to connect it a little bit to basketball, it sounds like just as North Carolina would highlight their success rate for the basketball team getting players into college and then on to the pros. You've got some similar stories working with HBCUs right now in terms of bringing that talent into the university setting, cultivating it there, and then using it at the professional level with Blue Cross of North Carolina. 
Absolutely. And I think all of that involves some form of giving back, right? We want to see others behind us be able to be successful. And sometimes that looks like career and it looks like other things too. So yeah, that's a great connection. So just like North Carolina would point to, say, Michael Jordan and say, here is the example. Do you have a Michael Jordan example of your own that you can share with us, maybe someone who participated in your internship program or one of your other development programs? Yeah, I'm kind of giggling because I'm like, Michael Jordan is a tall order, but I do have two kind of all-star stories that I'd like to point out. One of them is a recent intern that was with us this past summer. Asandra came from North Carolina Central University. She was in the honors program and we were able to recruit her into one of our internship positions in our marketing division. And on top of just a really interesting and kind of crazy year, we had a full internship program that was virtual. So just imagine, you know, this might be your first internship opportunity with a corporation like this, and now you're doing it all online. But Asandra really shined. Um, She, like many of our interns, did some really meaningful work. She worked on campaigns that give back to our nonprofits through Blue Cross and other initiatives. And at the end of the summer, she was actually extended to continue to work with us part time until she graduated. I've been able to recently touch base with her. She has since graduated and now she's working full time in the health industry. So really proud of Asandra. And then the other program that I haven't mentioned as much is our rotational development program. And that's actually for recent grads who maybe don't exactly know what they want to do after they graduate, but they're interested in health insurance. And so we give them opportunities to rotate into three different kind of divisions per se in our company. And they get some really interesting experience over like a two-year period. So I worked with another student, Daisha. She's a North Carolina A&T graduate, and she's almost finished with our rotational development program. But the really interesting and fun part about Daisha is that she was so excited to be involved in some of these HBCU initiatives, like right off the gate. And she was kind of partnering with our HR team. Even last fall, she worked really strategically to help with our recruitment initiatives and was making sure that we had a diverse pool of students to present to hiring managers. And that definitely included our HBCU students. So she has partnered on our action team and has been really involved in this work since she started. And it's just great to see the enthusiasm and the really the drive to want to give back in that way. We're speaking with Allison Watkins, Program Manager for Early Career Talent at Blue Cross of North Carolina. Some outstanding programs you guys have working. In addition to other activations, we're soon going to be announcing a new program called Connecting Conversations, which creates opportunities for HBCU students to engage with staff and representatives from both Blue Cross Blue Shield and the Hornets. Can you tell us anything about the plans there? Oh, yeah. I think, you know, another exciting opportunity just to share with students, you know, opportunities across the board, like you said, with the Hornets and Blue Cross. And really, this is exclusive to HBCU students. It's going to continue to build on some of the work that we're doing all year long, just to make sure students know, like, we're more than health insurance. 
But a lot of times students have kind of a narrow perspective because they're not aware of all the opportunities available. So looking forward to some meaningful conversations about what are the options and career paths even through the Hornets and Blue Cross of North Carolina and certainly how can they get involved if they're you know more interested and they're ready for either internship or full-time opportunities. Finally, Allison, this is a very strange and difficult time we're living in with COVID-19. It's made a lot of changes to our everyday lives, and I'm sure the way you go about recruitment and involvement in many of these programs. For HBCU students who are interested in some of the opportunities we've talked about here with Blue Cross of North Carolina, can you tell us what the status is with regards to COVID-19, how maybe it has or hasn't affected the application process or what students should do if they want to learn more about available opportunities? Absolutely. My heart definitely goes out to students that are graduating or they're just trying to navigate a job search in this environment. Students are just one subset of folks that have just had to continually adjust. So I'm happy to say that our recruitment efforts have continued. We are looking to still fill internship opportunities. And there are three specific internship positions in marketing that we're recruiting for right now. So would encourage any students that are interested to definitely visit our website at bluecrossnc.com and they can visit our career site for more information. So lots still happening, lots of great work and definitely opportunities for students to still lean in and engage with us. Allison Watkins, Program Manager for Early Career Talent at Blue Cross of North Carolina. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Hornets Hivecast and for all of the work you've been doing and will continue to do here in Buzz City. Thank you so much. Hornets fans, be sure to download the Hornets app on your mobile device. The Hornets app is your access to all new features and exclusive content, including the new game day experience for every game this season. Third and final segment here on the Hornets Hivecast. Sam Farber, Rob Longo getting ready for a long night of work tonight because the Hornets are playing late. They're on this West Coast trip, which begins in Utah. And Rob, it's time to preview the matchup. Jazz, the best team in the NBA right now. They've won nine of their last ten. Their last game was a loss to the L.A. Clippers, one of the other elite teams in the association. But overall, the Jazz have just been spectacular. 24-6 and record, and one of those 24 wins was a 138-121 to drubbing of the Hornets. They were very consistent scorers throughout the game, the Jazz were. The Hornets hung with them for a good portion of it. The second quarter was where it got away, and I think it kind of revealed the fact that the Hornets were not competing at full strength. They didn't have... P.J. Washington in that one. They lost Devontae Graham halfway through that game, and those were two significant absences. I mean, if you're going to beat the best team in the NBA, probably best to have all of your starters at least available to you. If you're down two of them, that's going to make it very difficult. And also along the way, Utah was unconscious from three. They made 52% of their threes. Boyan Bogdanovich went 7 of 10 beyond the arc. Donovan Mitchell made 5. Mike Conley made 4. O'Neal made 3. This team played extremely well. Very deserving of the win. The Hornets banged up and did not get the gift of Utah having even an average night. They had an exemplary night. Well, a franchise record-breaking night. 26 threes was a franchise record, and you hope that Utah somehow cooled off between then and now. But it's going to be tough. I mean, Utah's 24 and 6, and 24 and 6 in the West is just absolutely phenomenal at this point, especially all things considered this season with just bizarre scheduling. You're playing teams back to back, and that might have been a little bit of a factor in Friday's game for Utah, where 
The Jazz lost to the Clippers 116-112 because those two teams just played previously the night before, but it was a nine-game winning streak. Donovan Mitchell had 35 points on Friday. He's playing extremely well. I just hope that it comes down to maybe Utah missing a couple of shots, hopefully, beyond the arc, and it's just not another franchise record-breaking night. And I hope that somehow the rust that we saw on Saturday for the Hornets gets kind of reset, shook off, and all that jazz. Oh, I did not Good mean. Pun. I did not mean to do that pun, pun either. I, sure you didn't. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I mean the help from that would be beneficial. I think the thing you can count on more is PJ Washington. Yes. I, I think he has taken a lot of flack for inconsistent play over the season, and I don't think it's very well founded. I think when he has had consistent run to get in rhythm he's been a really good basketball player start of the year he had to kind of play his way into shape once he was there he was going then he has the sprained foot and it doesn't just sideline for a couple games but it took him a few games to get back in rhythm and then just as it seemed he was on the cusp of doing that he goes into the health and safety protocols so he was one that i was very impressed with in the win over golden state because he did play well throughout the game i think he is a major difference maker because one thing Utah is in comparison to the Hornets, in addition to being just a very skilled team, they're big. They're really big. O'Neal, Ingles are like photocopies of one another, just big guys, big dudes who can shoot the three, they can look over any of the Hornets guards. And if you change it from having one of the three guards out there guarding them to P.J. Washington, it's a very different look. Rebounding gets easier. Different things get easier. Contending with Rudy Gobert in the paint becomes more of a plausible scenario versus, oh my gosh, we're running a small ball four lineup out there and trying to make it work. P.J. Washington could be a major factor in this game, and we'll have to see if Devontae Graham is able to go. Certainly that would help too. But I think having P.J. Washington available is probably the biggest difference maker from last time these two teams faced to this one. Well, Devontae looked pretty good on Saturday when he was jumping around after Terry Rozier hit that three-pointer and he was dumping water on Terry in the postgame interview on Fox Sports Southeast. But to go back to your point about the conditioning, one little underrated thing that might play a small, tiny, minute factor tonight is you're going to the west coast you're changing time zones but not only that you're going to a place like salt lake city it's not quite the mile high city but it's about four thousand feet above sea level and i wonder if that altitude change might affect anything especially when this team is trying to come back after a six-day layoff playing on saturday you're getting on a plane you fly out sunday and then you got to go play the best team in the nba good point one player that had a very good game in fact a career game against the utah jazz the last time around was Lamelo ball he went 14 for 27 four of nine from three 34 points and it wasn't as if he had a selfish game he had eight assists in that contest truly a spectacular effort hayward give and go to ball hayward says go ahead rook ball lays it in and one Hooping the harm, finish plus the foul. Hayward says, go get it, Rook. And LaMelo Ball answers the call. LaMelo obliges. Ball was fantastic individually in that game on a night where several other of his teammates struggled. And, and again, I think the biggest factor was, one, Utah shot the lights out, and two, the Hornets were down their starting power forward and for the entire second half down their starting point guard as well in Devontae Graham. Those are just two absences that were too much to overcome against that elite of competition. But if LaMelo Ball can have the accompanying 
duo of P.J. Washington available, and we'll see what happens with Devontae Graham, but just some more help and can come up with that kind of effort again. I mean, he went toe-to-toe with Mike Conley, a borderline all-star guard for a decade in the NBA, and put 34 points on the board. That was an impressive display. Oh, and oh, by the way, the best defensive player in the league, Rudy Gobert, was waiting at the back line most of the time. Yeah, and LaMelo was attacking the rim. I mean, he was going after it, too, even with Gobert in the game, even though he was in with the second unit a little bit more. And it took a while for LaMelo to get started on Saturday. I mean, he ended up only with seven points, but he also had seven assists. Talking to assistant coaches and Coach Borrego early in the season, the shooting for LaMelo this year it hasn't been very accurate the past couple games, but the shooting has been a bonus. The scoring has been a bonus. They just want him to make sure that he dishes the ball out and doesn't turn the ball over. Everything else is just kind of the cherry on top. There might be a little bit of animosity in this game coming up too because I don't know if you caught it on the post game after that Utah game, but Donovan Mitchell, there was a play where Mitchell he shook LaMelo defensively and he pulled back and hit a three and they asked him about it on the post game. He said, oh, LaMelo can't guard me. LaMelo's a very savvy social media guy. I'm sure it made it back to him at some point. So I'm wondering if that is a little extra motivation tonight. A little bulletin board material. It could be. I mean, LaMelo, I don't put much stock in the fact that he didn't shoot the ball well against Golden State because like we've said a few times, it's such an outlier. Not just that they didn't play a game for five consecutive days. They didn't practice for a good portion of that. So the expectation that anyone was going to be in rhythm, honestly, the 24 turnovers was ugly, but it was not, like, shocking. It wasn't a scenario where who would have seen this coming against an undermanned Golden State team? Nothing to do with the opponent. They could have played any, just about anyone, and you would have expected a lack of chemistry because they hadn't played in so long, practice or games. So I don't put much stock in the fact that he didn't shoot the ball well. I like that he continued to drive it. I like the fact that he continued to push to put his team in the best scenario to win. He also had significant foul trouble in the game against Golden State. That probably hurt his shooting rhythm as well. But before that, he had been averaging 20 points per game since entering the starting lineup. So I think this one against Golden State was the outlier. I would expect him to have another strong offensive performance tonight against Utah. Well, you obviously hope so. And again, going back to your point with the chemistry, you could tell it played a factor. There were a lot of times where those turnovers were, you know, LaMelo zigged where he should have zagged and vice versa or something like that. So the turnovers were concerning on Saturday, but they weren't surprising like you mentioned. Those will definitely get cleaned up tonight, I'm sure, and that's something that James Borrego and I'm sure a lot of the leaders in the locker room definitely tried to hammer home after Saturday's game, especially looking at film and that sort of thing. And this team plays with a lot of pride. You know how big of a Hamilton fan I am. In the borrow line, this team is young, scrappy, and hungry, and they're not going to throw away their shot. The fact of the matter is, this team doesn't get scared of anybody, and you've seen it with Golden State on Saturday, even with Draymond barking and all the trash talking going on. They didn't buy into it. They didn't get suckered into that game. They played their game. They continued the course. They didn't drop the sword, for a James Borrego quote. They've played these big-name teams already. They've played Dallas. They've played Philly, and they don't back down. They're not going to shy away from these big-name teams and these big-name players, and tonight won't be any different because we already saw what they were capable of and what LaMelo was capable of against the best team in the West a couple weeks ago. It's true. It's true. And we'll see if uh, they have the benefit of Washington on their side this time. I like it. I like it. I'm about it. Had to go there. The one big stat I would say to watch for Utah, and it was certainly a factor in their loss to the Clippers, three-point shooting, particularly Jordan Clarkson, who has been spectacular all season. He is the odds-on favorite to be sixth man of the year almost to the same extent that LaMelo Ball is the favorite to be rookie of the year. It is that stark. He was one of seven 
from three in that loss. And I think the connective tissue in all the Jazz losses, they don't shoot the ball well from three. And to a certain extent, you know, when the Warriors were on their great championship run, the games where things didn't go right, it tended to be, well, they missed a lot of threes because it's a a team kind of centered around three-point shooting. And the Jazz are similar this year. So Utah has an off night. If they're in the 10 to 15 range from three, that is an opening that the Hornets are going to want to take advantage of. And it's kind of similar to the Golden State game. No one could have looked at that game and said the Hornets played their best contest. No one would look at that game and say that was a well-played game by Charlotte. But they were able to take advantage of an opportunity that presented itself, both by the misfortune of Steph Curry not being able to play, which is a disappointment to us all. He's a favorite son of Charlotte. We want to see him out there. He's a fun player to watch and compete against, but also the fact that Golden State opened a door with the technicals and giving the Hornets an opportunity, and they took advantage and walked through it. So Utah, if they do things as they're supposed to, they are what their record says they are. They are 24-6. and six. This is a team that's winning 80% of their games for a reason against good competition, mediocre competition. You name it, they're beating it more often than not based off what they do on the floor. But if they open the door, if they make less than 15 threes, Hornets hopefully we'll be prepared to kick the door in and start this road trip off with a bang. That would be a heck of a way to start off this road trip. And you kind of answered your own question there. It's a make-miss league. We've said that how many times. So, you know, if you're missing, you're going to lose. And that's just how it is for the Jazz. But reading some stuff about the loss to the Clippers on Friday, Donovan Mitchell, the biggest thing that he stressed about the reason that Utah lost was because of shot selection. He said that they did not take quality shots. Now, how do you get a team to not take quality shots? You get a hand in the face, you run them off the three-point line, and you try to make them uncomfortable, and that's a job that's a lot easier said than done, especially when you have someone like James Borrego whose philosophy is to protect the paint at all costs. I don't know how much you can protect when you have a guy on the other side that's 7-2 and his name is Rudy Gobert, but those are going to be kind of the factors, and if I could tell you how to do it, I would not be sitting here right now. I might be in an NBA office elsewhere, so... Those are going to be kind of the keys, and defense is always a great transition into offense. And, of course, the Hornets love to run in transition. LaMelo loves to throw those long touchdown passes, and if they're able to get a couple of long rebounds off of some three-point shots by Utah, it's all the better. It's a difficult challenge, but it's part of what makes the NBA so much fun. We'll see if the Hornets can retain their momentum from their win over Golden State and carry it into this one tonight and carry it through through the remainder of the road trip to Phoenix, Golden State, Sacramento, and beyond. Tip-off slated for 9 p.m. in the Queen City tonight. We will have all the action for you, starting with the pregame show on WFNZ. And then, of course, tip again scheduled for 9. Rob Longo and I will be here with you, and we'll have another Hornets Hivecast for you tomorrow to break down the result. That's going to do it for this edition of the Hornets Hivecast. For everyone here, Rob Longo, my broadcast partner, I'm Sam Farber saying it's been a pleasure and a privilege having you along. We look forward to talking to you again tomorrow here on the HHC. Till then, in the words of LaMelo Ball. Thank y'all. Have a good day. Wear your mask. Thanks for listening to the Hornets Hivecast. For more coverage, visit Hornets.com.